Hey guys, Jack here. Thank you so much for tuning in. A reminder, the Just Hands Poker Podcast is brought to you by our partners at Software Why. Uh, Software Why is a unique poker coaching experience from high-stakes pros Matt Berkey, Christian Soto, Jordan Young, and now Zach and myself. Uh, and Software Why is the only poker training camp that teaches live poker strategy. The Software Why Advanced Poker Training Academy is going to be taking place on February 18th through the 20th and March 19th through the 21st uh, in Las Vegas. On those February dates, I'll be there, and in the March dates, both Zach and I will be there. So consider signing up if you want to get some amazing poker coaching and also spend time uh, with Zach and myself. Uh, a reminder, Software Why turns conventional poker wisdom on its head by providing students with a unique poker philosophy utilizing real-time analytics, emphasizing psychology and personal interaction, and recording and reviewing students' play using RFID technology. The Software Why Advanced Poker Training Academy delivers a framework to think and act differently. Software Why is poker evolved. To learn more or to sign up, head to softwarewhyacademy.com or use the link in the show notes. Hey, Zach. Hey. How you doing, man? I am pretty good. Finally got home from Florida got delayed because of this winter storm i'm glad to be home but it's freezing here it's horrible kind of well i can somewhat relate it's it's less cold here but my apartment is less insulated than yours so it's pretty cold uh, i i doubt your apartment's cold mine (laughs) uh might not be colder but it's definitely less less insulated we had two windows in an ac unit and not much of a place to store the ac unit in the winter yeah. So I'm my next stop is going to the drugstore to get some insulation. Welcome to Just Hands, where we just talk about poker strategy. Yep. Speaking All of right, poker let's, strategy, let's get on with it. we got a great yeah. listener hand from a room that I think holds a special place in both of our hearts, the Seminole Hard Rock Casino in Hollywood, Florida. This hand that, uh, that room does not hold a special place in my heart. <laughs> I guess I've 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 played there actually when we played there together it wasn't good, but I've played there a bunch when I was younger and it's been really good for Worst me. place to play in South Florida. Okay. <laughs> which is not, which means it's an awesome game, obviously, but <laughs> yeah. Um, so this was submitted on in mid December before the holidays it was a two five game. And uh, our listener has a lot of stuff to say, which is good. So I'm just going to get right into it. I was recently in Florida on a business trip and decided to go check out the poker room at the Seminole Hard Rock on my first night in town. I'm a fairly serious recreational player in my 20s, and I usually play poker two to three times a month, usually one two no limit. I actually went to the casino with the intention of playing a 2-2 PLO game that I saw running on Bravo. The room was jam-packed with at least 20 to 30 games going, and I couldn't get into a PLO game right away, so I decided to sit down at 2-5, which was the only game open when I got there. Although I'm usually a strong advocate for buying in for the max, I only bought in for 300 since that was all I had on me and I didn't feel like hitting the ATM. Let me just stop there for a second and just give a little unsolicited advice to the listener, which is, you know, I think it's really important whether you're a recreational player or semi-pro or professional to have a lot of cash on you when you're going to a poker room. It, it just makes it much easier to, I think, play your best. And even if maybe you have a $5,000 roll or amount of money dedicated that you can lose playing poker, if you only have $300 on you, $500, $600 on you, it's going to be really hard to play your best with that that little money kind of in your pocket. Yeah, and you've already said that like you don't want to go to the ATM, and 
you know, if that is going to be a factor in your decision making, which it is because you don't want to go bust because you don't want to leave and you don't want to leave because, or, you know, you don't want yeah. to do any of those three things. So you're going to avoid that outcome. Whereas if you, if you had some more cash on hand, you wouldn't have that issue. Also, Zach, did he say that one, two was full or there's a long list? No, he just says he normally plays one, two, but tonight he was thinking of two, two. And then when two, two didn't work out, he played two, five. So he was just kind of going for it. I guess what right. you, you probably yeah, would say sh- is that, yeah, if you're going to only have 300, buy it for one, two and make it last longer. Well, I was just going to say, like, if you're going to shot take, then I would bring more than 60 people. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's just go on with it then. I was at the table for about 30 minutes before the hand in question occurred. From what I saw, I thought the game seemed a little splashy, but overall pretty balanced. Not sure exactly what that means, but hmm. definitely a little splashy. I could believe that. Oh, I guess just like playing too many hands, but having an appropriate amount of bluffs and value post-flop. <laughs> I'm skeptical. And that's sort of, yeah, that's not super possible just because like to add more bluffs and value. So I guess either people are somewhat over bluffing all the time or over bluffing at some point and then become value heavy or balanced at another point. That's, that's, you know, I think there's a, two pretty possible frameworks here. Mm-hmm. All right. In the few orbits I was there, I saw multiple river bluffs get shown down, and there was a ton of limping preflop, with most pots being open to 15 or 20. Prior to the hand in question, I only played two pots. In one, I limped, pocket six in early position, called a raise, and check full of queen high flop. In the other hand, uh, four players limped in, and our hero checked 7-3 suit in the big blind. Flop came jack 7-3 rainbow, and I led the flop in turn, getting heads up with an older gentleman. This accumulated in a $170 overbet river shove on a final board of jack 7-3 king queen. The man snap called and announced I have the nuts, and then turned over ace nine of diamonds for ace high. The table was shocked as there was no possible flush, and the man seemed to be a regular in the game. Needless to say, the man was super tilted, although this gentleman wasn't the relevant hand in question. Like I said, this yeah, room yeah. holds a special place in my heart. Maybe, maybe he thought he had ace ten. Also, yeah, I know we're not talking about this spot, but I don't like the overbet shove because I assume like when we lead the flop and we get called, we think we're targeting a jack. When the queen comes, I think it's fine to keep betting to keep targeting a jack or maybe some other pair or draw. But when then the king comes on the river, it's it's the uh, I think we're yeah sure king came and then the queen came. It doesn't it doesn't really matter. Your opponent has plenty of two pairs that are going to call this over bet, and I don't think that other jack X is necessarily going to call. So I think you might only be able to get called by worse. And yeah, I'd, I just wouldn't expect that many king X or queen X to be in your opponent's range, and those hands might not call either. Anyway, on to the hand in question. On to the villain's hand I'd like to discuss. Villain 1 is a woman in her 30s directly to my left. She seemed to be playing a bit loose preflop, but played fairly tight and straightforward post. I don't have any reads on her, although I did see her open shove $175 under the gun preflop when she got short stacked. I'd say that's definitely a read. The lady said she had kings, but she did not show. I didn't read too much into this, only that she was getting a little frustrated, and I'm quite sure she's not a pro. Both of those two things seem quite likely. So Villain 2 is an Asian man in his 30s, directly to the left of Villain 1, who is playing very loose and already added on a couple times in order to maintain a stack of roughly 500 having taken a couple of bad beats and coolers. 
He was a bit tilted, but was still playing what seemed like his normal laggy game. It's worth noting that a woman who I assume was his wife or girlfriend was sitting next to him watching him play. I could imagine losing $1,000 in front of the wife in such a short amount of time. could definitely add to the tilt factor here, although again, I wouldn't read too much into this. It's also worth noting that he's stopping off to 500 in a 1,000 cap game. So yeah, you know, I'll throw that out there. So effective stacks, villain one, doubled up her $175 preflop shove. And uh, not on that hand, but it's since doubled and has about 350. And the effective stack is villain two, the player two to our hero's left, who has 475 to start the hand. Table is nine-handed and action folds to me. I look down at ace, ten of hearts in the low jack and make it 15 to go. Both villains call without too much hesitation, and the blinds call as well. So I think if you're playing just about 100 big blinds, and especially if the if this table is like pretty loose and, and fairly call happy, when we're in the low jack with ace, ten of hearts, I like you know my standard sizing is probably 20, especially if we're going to be having an open limping range, which I think we should in this game given how many hands get limped through. I'm personally just done with five. I'm done with four X. I'm on to five X. I'm five X in it, in basically any game I play now. Uh, just in case you guys were wondering, <laughs> I I I often five X, but I would say like, I think our style and usually relative skill level lends itself more towards five Xing more often than four Xing. Where I think for most of my students that I work with, at like that play at the two five level, four X is going to be more the standard size. Yeah, no, the 4X is cool. Yeah. Letting everyone know that I'm 5Xing it now. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Head to the flop 5-handed with approximately $70 in the pot after rake. Flop comes jack 6-4 with the 4 of hearts, giving me the nut flush draw. Both lines check and I bet 30. I could definitely see an argument for a larger bet on this board to increase fold equity, but I thought a smaller bet would keep my range wide. Also, I'm not particularly worried about getting called or rage with this hand, and I'm playing a barrel again on most turn cards. I don't think you can't really go too wrong here. I don't think you're inducing too many raises with a smaller bet, which I would say is like, eh, not really actually a good reason to bet small. I'd probably just bet big with almost everything here and then plan to just shove most turns, mm-hmm. especially on like a favorable turn card, like queen, king, obviously ace, maybe not a 10 would be the only one I would probably not shove. Yeah, I don't know. You you can't really go wrong here. Like if you bet small, I think it's fine. I don't think there's gonna be a huge difference. Yeah, I I was gonna say I th- I think there's a lot of good options here. I definitely wouldn't want to bet too big, because with a hand like Ace Ten of Hearts, you don't want to potentially get like a straight draw that you have a ton of equity against, or a flush draw that you have a ton of equity against to consider folding. So I think I'd probably be betting like you know fifty fifty five here. And with the intention of, you know, overbit shoving turns in which I miss and, you know, draws don't come in or maybe it's like, you know, a really bad card where it's like maybe another jack or something like that. Yeah, I think that sounds good. We just want to make sure we we don't want to bet so big that like our turn barrel isn't going to be effective. We also don't want to bet so small that like we have to like now try and triple barrel this hand. Exactly. Also, we have to, you know, this is a loose, you know, relatively passive five-handed pot. So I think when we bet even like 55 or 60, I think we, we should expect to get called in two spots, like more often 
than one or zero spots on this board. Yeah, I'm. My thoughts in this hand are like, but how can I get like top pair weak kicker to fold with like a big turn bet, and then with the rest of your opponent's range, like, you know, you're just gonna have to chase basically. Yeah, uh, obviously, I, I don't think queen jack, king jack, ace jack are folding. I think there's a lot of hands here, like you know, some pairs of sixes, some pairs of fours, basically all jack x most gut shots, any flush draw that will happily call 50-55. And then most of that range from these kind of like wider, loose passive ranges that are just calling 15 or maybe just an additional 13 or 10, that will then fold the turn. So I think we want to just kind of build it up now and, and really try to get calls by like a wide range of one pair and, and draw hands and then just, you know, shove on the turn and know that we're probably going to get folds most of the time. And when we don't, we have a lot of equity. Right. And yeah, just in case it wasn't clear, when I'm talking about getting those top of hands to fold, I'm talking about on the turn. So villain one, the the kind of tilted woman, the 350, tosses $60 into the pot for a min raise. Villain two doesn't think long and calls the 60. The blinds fold and it's back to hero. So he writes, obviously folding is out of the question. So I thought for about 30 to 45 seconds about whether I should call or raise. I think Villain 1's heavily weighted towards a strong jack. She could definitely have a set, but I thought she'd make a bigger raise if she flopped a set. So my read on her was that she thought she likely had the best hand and wanted to get value, although maybe not want to play for stacks in this pot. I thought Villain 2 had an incredibly wide range here, any pair, any flush draw, and probably some straight draws as well. I don't think he has many sets or two pair in his range. I thought one of the merits of raising would be if I could get him to mitt his stack with a lower flush draw, and that would be a great spot besides jack x of hearts. So I'm going to weigh in here on the analysis and i think it's it's pretty spot on i think this min raise here is just really often jack x from her uh sometimes she's going to have a set sometimes she's going to have a flush draw but i think based on the player type especially when she just opened shoved kings apparently opened shoved kings pre-flop and is you know sh- sitting on a shorter stack i i just think this is very often like you know a better a better jack more so than anything else and i think yeah uh villain two has a wide range i the one disagreement i have is that i don't think that he has the 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 rights. I don't think he has many sets of two pair in his range. I think his range range is wide enough such that sets in two pair is a minority of the range. But I do think he has many of those combos here based on the player type. If he were to have jack six suited in the cutoff after you know you just make it fifteen and then someone to the right calls, that would not surprise me. I think he has all the six four suited combos, and then I definitely think he has all combos of fours and sixes, and maybe even some combos of jacks. I know there's a lot of players like this that, even though they're super loose uh, and a little laggy post-flop, they definitely like, just might not feel comfortable three-betting with a hand like Jacks. It just might not be in their arsenal. So a little minor quip with that, but overall, like the, the result of that analysis is, yes, I think that by you know leveraging your stack here and re-raising, then you could potentially get the woman to fold a better hand than yours while protecting your equity against villain two, as well as potentially getting called by a worse hand than yours, a draw by villain two. So I like, I like the analysis. What do you think, Jack? I like the analysis, but I think I disagree with the conclusion. So all of our, all of our options have to be in context with each other. I think you and I would both agree that your options here are call or shove. Mm -hmm. There's no other race size. So let's be clear. So when we look at those options in comparison to each other, I think raising is a plus EV option. You will get enough folds such that when you do get called, 
your equity will make up the difference uh, between the amount of folds you would have needed to see an immediate profit uh, and the ultimate expectation for the hand. On the other hand, I think you have to compare that to the price you're getting on a call. So you are calling 30 into what will be a pot of 250. So you would be printing if you called and folded any non-hard turn. Okay. You're not going to fo probably fold any non-hard turn. You're going to probably continue on some aces. You might be able to continue on some other Broadway cards, maybe a 10. And sometimes it's going to check through. You might even decide to take some leads. You know, you might decide to lead a king. Anyway, I think calling is going to be your best option here since I think you're going to keep in worse flush draws, which is really important more easily by calling. And you have such a fantastic price that like calling is just like so clearly a good option that I would just do that. I think there's too much of a risk that, well, one, I don't, you know, part of the reason I don't like shoving is because I don't think this woman is holding a jack based on what we said about her being a little tilted. Mm -hmm. uh, so I don't think this is getting through that often. And you have such a good price that I think you just, you have to call. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the real decision point in this hand here comes down to like, how often will this woman fold her likely jack after min-raising? And I don't know, but based, based on the fact that she, you know, didn't rebuy at like 175 and kept that, she kind of seemed like this player type that really doesn't want to play for stacks, even if she's tilted and is the type that will, when tilted, just like fold and grimace and complain. And I'm sure you play with players like this a lot. And so just based on the fact that she had 175 for a while, I think that she only put in 60. She has 350 now. And in her mind, she's like, am I really going to risk an additional $290, my whole stack, and go home on this like jack that I have? Yeah, I don't know if I, I don't know if I see it quite like that. I mean, if, you know, I think you'd have actually more leverage like with Ace King here on a rainbow board, you know. Like I think it's pretty easy for you to have a flush draw here. I mean, it's not like a three bet pot or anything. And didn't didn't we say she shoved her 175? So she already got her 175 in. Well, um, apparently with kings under the gun pre flop, but most importantly, she didn't oh. re, didn't rebuy. Like no one called her. That was that was like a a relevant right. detail to her. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like. So I guess like, you know, just a little contrary like characterization of this woman would be someone who doesn't add on but is sick of playing short and you know it's just like happy to like get it in so that she can just rebuy full you know like that that's not such a mentality like with a starting stack of 350 but it definitely is with a starting stack of 175 and at this point in the hand i could see that mentality creeping in anyway you know i feel pretty comfortable with the, the cause best but if you think she's going to fold a jack then the raise is going to be pretty darn successful. So, uh, again, I don't think you. I think you have two good options here, and you just have to, I guess, make this decision based around: Are these guys going to fold top pair type hands to you? Fair enough. Okay. So, going to give a little results. So the hero eventually raises to two hundred total, which you know I don't think we really need to get into. You just you can't only raise two hundred here. If you're going to raise, you have to go all in because you're raising to leverage fold equity and you're never going to fold to a re-raise, so might as well just go all in. Villain went one, 
looked shocked, immediately went to the tank, and after much deliberation, folded. Villain 2 didn't take long and moved in for the rest of the stack. Obviously, Hero called. Born ran out two of clubs, five of hearts, Hero River the Nuts. And going to just read our villain's last uh, thoughts on this hand, where villain stared at the board for a while, shook his head, and showed 6-4 offsuit for a, bottom, a flop bottom two pair. Although I wasn't in great shape against his exact hand, the fact that he called preflop with 6-4 off gave me more confidence in my read of his range. If he has that hand, he probably has all the open-enders and lower flush draws, and I think I could get him to stack off with some of those hands and fold some of his one-pair hands, and then my flop raise is definitely plus EV. So I just want to add to that that, yeah, I think seeing 6-4 offsuit makes raising the flop better, but obviously you know, you're making that decision at the time without, without knowing this. Yeah. I'll also say that, like, one, I think you should be shoving, so just forget about this raise to 200, because it doesn't make sense. Let's just be clear. And I, it's a little bit early for me, so sorry if I'm a little cantankerous this morning with my analysis here. Uh, <laughs> I definitely appreciate you writing this hand. Okay. Uh, where were we? Right. Yeah, so forget about the raise to 200. So when we shove here, I think him having 6-4 is not in our favor. Like, uh, those are hands where he's not folding the 6-4, but he is folding the 7-5, you know? Like, I don't think he's calling off his whole stack with an open-ender here. That's just me. Maybe maybe he is, but I think you're better off actually keeping in all of these hands and trying to just make your flush. Oh, I yeah, disagree. I disagree with that. I think... I think if the guy has an opener on the flop, if like if the if our analysis of when he has six four offsuit that means he has way more other draws, which I think we both agree with, I think that makes shoving the flop much much better because now it's if he folds or if he calls, it's both great outcomes for us. You know, like if he has seven. Well, five, no, no, I I don't think him him folding is not a great outcome for us. We have seven five crushed. Seven five has you know, we have seven five crushed. We have a, a flush draw, totally crushed. Like, I don't think folding him folding is a good outcome. Yeah, but do you think if we just call, you think he's going to continue to, like, a shove or something on, on the turn if he doesn't hit his draw? Well, when we... So here here's the... Here, I think here's where we're not on the same page. When we call, we're not in bluffing mode anymore. We're in, I'm going to try and hit my hand and stack these dudes. You know, they're obviously not both dudes, but... It's like, you're going to lay me 10 to 1 when I have the freaking nut flush draw? Okay, like, I'll take it. And, you know, if you have a worse flush draw, you're going to get stacked if the heart comes. If you have, if the eight, if you have seven, five and the eight of heart comes, you're getting stacked, you know, or you might just get, you have six, four and you're going to call and the heart comes and it checks through and the rivers a blank. Like you might get stacked because, you know, you know, you have two pair and you don't want to fold like, or, you know, the Jack, you know, there's just like, you don't need to get people to fold when you're getting 10 to 1 and you have enough flush draw. Like, and if you do get someone to fold a hand like King 5 of Hearts, that sucks. Because we had that hand absolutely crushed. Okay, fair enough. I, I still think a shove is definitely the best if he had information we had, and this makes it more likely that it was, this makes it even better. All right, well. So, okay. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for writing in. Well played, except for the raise size. And, Hope you hope you keep enjoying these uh, soft South Florida games. I know I know we have. Yeah, I definitely have. I miss them already.
All right, man. Thank you for writing in. Definitely call that turn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Stay in touch. All right, guys. Thank you.